I got you. Okay. <laughs> I had a beer here somewhere. There it is. If you can't <sighs> count that as a beer. No, you can't because it's a truly. No, man. Truly not a beer. Yeah. You want to go ahead and start this thing? Yeah. Uh, in case you guys didn't notice, new podcast studio, who dis? Fucking didn't do this page not correctly. Didn't cut in. Didn't tape it. Man, there's a lot of this room I can't see. Thank <sighs> Alrighty, folks. Welcome back to Opening the Mic. This is a weekly podcast where you follow along with two aspiring comedians on their journey from open micers to real deal comedians. I'm Travis Stevenson. And I'm John Murphy. This episode, we're going to go over the fact that we kind of built out a little bit of a new studio and then talk about... Um, Something we left off on last time that I was going to try a new spot. That's done now. Tell you how that went. And then a little bit of the material that we've been trying out and working on. Um, first off, I just want to say there's been some time from the last one to this one. Uh, because of the build out a little bit. And because of just seasonal stuff. Most so. people wait. Speaking of seasons, most people wait until like season three before they upgrade the studio. <laughs> like, nah, episode two is good. Yeah. Well, uh, we had fun doing the first one. I was like, well, if we're going to do it. Let's fucking let's just do it. I mean, we've always been like that, though. Is like anything we do, hard as a motherfucker at it. Like, there's no ease and end to anything. It's like, oh, you want to try this? No, I want to buy everything required to do it professionally. Dedicate my entire life to it for a short while, and then move on to the next thing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's probably a bunch of people in the world just like us. That, like they can't just get a hobby. No, no, there's Mm-mm. no such thing as there's getting, not a hobby. Yeah. It's an obsession. Yeah, it's and a it, lifestyle choice. And I've got to drill that thing down until it's not fun for anybody and it puts a strain on my marriage. Right. <laughs> That's how you know you're doing it right. So with this one, we went ahead and uh, just upgraded the background a little bit. It's still, uh, we, we still got some work. I mean, no sense in having a fake mic when we've got two real mics here, but. I like that microphone and I overpaid for that microphone <laughs> and it'll stay on this table till I die. Somebody got a little spin thrifty when, <laughs> when he decided to go to a Hobby Lobby. Well, that was this was this was here for the first one. This was day one stuff, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to just have a blank table sitting there." And I found two things at Hobby Lobby, and thought this was going to be seventy five percent off. But uh, the way their sell pricing bullshit works, it's like seventy five percent off of wall decor, and this is considered table decor. So I paid thirty two dollars for this little microphone, and it's gonna stay here. I don't give a shit what you say. They should just call Hobby Lobby. It's like shit. You didn't know you cared about. Yeah. Like, honey, I think we do need just a giant bison painting. <laughs> hey, I I wanted a buffalo for the table, but it was too multicolored, and I didn't think it would. Wood burning? That's not something I could get into. I like wood. I like fire. Uh, other other stuff, we built this. We've got a little bit of a logo thing going on here. Uh, that is actually a hot water heater pan. Yep, that we painted. And Nobody then, said rednecks weren't... Uh, ingenious or had ingenuity engine and then that's also uh just a cricket cutout sticker and some uh walmart leds around it but does it not look dope as shit yeah it does and then you know we got the the curtains are drawn open in the show i think it's pretty cool i like it nice it's nice um so we ended the well we didn't end it but we talked in our last episode about i was going to try a new spot uh so the way our scene is set up, the place that we normally go, can we just say the name? It's fine, right? 
saying the name of where yeah, we go. It, I don't care. Yeah. Blue Ridge Comedy Club. Uh, it's in Bristol, Tennessee. Yes. Okay. And then on Bristol, Virginia, there's a street that runs right down in front of the comedy club we go to all the time. That is the state line. So on one side of the street, you're in Tennessee. The other side, you're in Virginia. On Bristol, Virginia side, uh, a comedy club opened up, and it was called the LOL Comedy Corner, which is, uh, I think it's a brand. Like, I think they branded out, like, there's others of those in the world somewhere. No, I think think that's the Comedy Cellar. We had three. So basically, we have a small town that had three comedy clubs open around the same time. One of them was, like, a branded chain. Right. The other one was... The one you went to, the uh, LOL Comedy Club. No, the other. You're thinking of the Comedy Zone. Yes, that is that one shut down. I mean, I saw that people were going there for something here recently too. So, I think uh, I don't. I don't know all the details on that. Some of the guys at the club know about it more than I know about it. But that one was open before Blue Ridge, and then it became like a VFW hall, and they kept the sign up. Even though they didn't own the rights to the, I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole deal. Basically, we went from having a town with no comedy, yeah, to an abundance of comedy in right. a short amount of time. And of course, whenever a lot of these businesses open up, we're like, I don't know if this is going to make it, right? And uh, so, yeah, some of them might have went down. But you went and tried out LOL Comedy, yeah. Which, whenever I saw the flyers and posters for it, I was really nervous about it. I, ha- I still haven't been, and you kind of sort of told me a little bit about it, yeah. but I still don't have a grasp of what you went through. Because when I saw the the photos, it was like a restaurant in this giant banquet hall, <laughs> and yeah. it looked like you know a church fellowship yeah. center. Yeah. So I didn't know how that was going to pan out, and uh, I was started seeing a bunch of red flags about this place because they were yep. like, "Come down for sports night. It's a sports bar. Come down for karaoke. You want a birthday party? We'll host it here." And I'm like, "Hey, whatever you need to do." But it kind of seems like you're throwing everything at the wall trying to get something to stick, mm-hmm. and it's never what you want to see when well, you're a business. We'll start with the outside. The outside looks like it was an old courthouse or something. It's a massive building, okay, in in downtown where like there's a lot of shops and other things going on. So it's a it's a good location, you would think, and it's a massive building where they could do anything with it. So one of the girls that does comedy at our club told me about that they were going to do their first open mic, and they were going to start doing them on Thursdays, and their first open mic was going to be on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday night. And I was like, well, you know, that's probably not going to be a very good turnout, but it's the first one. I'll go get my foot in the door and then maybe they can use me in the future. Right. So I was uh, really excited to just do a new club. Right. A different place. Because you want to see like our jokes have worked at this place. Right. Is it going to transfer at this place? Yeah. So uh, I go in and then they've got like it was it was such an up and down thing, dude. Like it was. Some parts of it were freaking awesome, and then other parts of it were, like, really bad. Unfortunately, the parts that were really bad were, like, the important parts. <laughs> <laughs> the parts that were, like, awesome were unimportant stuff. So oh, I love the way that it looked, but how was that as a comedy club? Oh, well, I'm getting into that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, so you go, I go in through the front door, and the owner of the club's standing there. He says, like, hi, welcome to the club or whatever. Uh, I introduced myself, and he's like, oh, you're coming to do the mic. He already knew my name and everything. I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. Well, right here's the lounge where the comics hang out. And I was like, oh, we got our own lounge. And it was just a couple couches in the corner, but it was neat. Not and a, then, not a green room, but right, you know, more than some places have. And the it's like behind the register where people pay to get in the the door fee or whatever. 
And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And there was no one there but him standing there. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, all the other comics are down at the bar downstairs. I'm like, okay, cool. So you've got like a downstairs area. There's a bar. This is going to be awesome. Like my hopes are getting higher and higher. And I can see behind the counter, like through the hallway is like this huge banquet hall with a bunch of dining tables. I'm like, oh, that must be the restaurant part. And, you know, where they hold banquets or things like that. And all the comedy stuff is going to be down in the basement where it should be. So I go down the basement and there are four people sitting down there. Uh, three of them are the other people doing the open mic with me and <laughs> one of their uh, moms. And that was it. Oh, cool. And it was me and my wife. My wife went with me. And I was like, okay, so we're here a little early. Maybe maybe this turn out. <laughs> so I start looking around in the basement and it's just like pillars and concrete floor and nothing uh, that resembles a comedy stage. And I'm like, where is... Where's this going on? I'm like looking around the corners and there's like all these rooms. It looks a lot like um like a frat house basement. Just columns and posters everywhere. And I was like, okay. So I go to the bar and I get a drink, say hi to everybody. And then it's like, you know, the, the thing's supposed to start at like 7.30. So like this is like 7.15 by the time we have a couple drinks. Nobody showed up. There's no one came down to the bar. And then that's when I find out that we're supposed to do it upstairs in that banquet hall. That's where the, the mm. mic's at. And I'm like... Which is weird, because it's like... A huge room, dude. It's way too big for an open mic. Oh, it's too yeah. big for like a regular comedy. It's a huge, cavernous room. The sound is... We'll get to that. Anyway. Because it's like you can fill a club right. with no namers, because it's a comedy club. Yeah. Small. Yeah. But when you get to like halls and theaters, you yeah. have to be a big name to fill it, because you're talking exactly. hundreds, if not thousands of seats. Yep. It was... Yeah, it's big. It's too big to do what they're trying to do. And the stage is huge. It's like a theater stage. Okay. Uh, like, you could put a full-size band and have room to dance. Like, it's a big stage. So we go upstairs. He We, t- we go inside, sit down, and no one's told us anything. After I met the owner, shook his hand, and he told me where everyone else was, that's the last we spoke to anybody uh, other than the bartender. So we go back up, walk into where... Like the other comics told me that we were going to be doing upstairs. I'm like, well, that sucks, but whatever. Maybe it'll be okay. So we go up. We sit down in the front row. Um, no one ever shows up. And we sit there for over an hour. Nothing. No one come and told us that it was canceled. No one told us, let's get started. No one's like, you know, let's try another night when it's not Thanksgiving and maybe we'll have some people. We're just sitting there waiting for, for no people to show up. Nothing. And then finally, like one of the other comics, like, dude, I'm going home if we're not going to do this thing. So he goes and tells him, he's like, hey, are we done here? And he's like, you guys can still try if you want. (laughs) Okay. Well, I appreciate your enthusiasm. So I was like, well, fuck it. It's a stage. There's a microphone. Nothing else. I can say. The show must go on. I can say I got on another stage, right? So we talked to the owner and he's like, hang on. I'll get some of the staff up here so you at least have a crowd. And I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. Hang on, let me get this. Hey, Ricky, you still cooking? <laughs> well, that's what I would have thought. It's like, so the bartender, that's your staff. And dude, people come from everywhere. There was like four kitchen staff. Oh no one's ordering God. food. There's two waitresses. There's the host. Then there's like two bartenders downstairs. Like, dude, everyone comes in. That hurts me so bad. It's a waste of their money. Because it's like, you've got more staff than people buy uh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. you're not making any money. Right. You just got to hope. That's why they let you guys down there. They were hoping the comics would just get fucked up on these overpriced <laughs> drinks. <laughs> trying to trying to make their money for the night. Oh, my God. There's so many people there. So we decide, yeah, we'll go ahead and do it for the 100 staff people he's got here for 
the night that no one's there on a on a and you know they were probably paying holiday pay, right? You would think. No. Yeah, it's probably everybody's ten ninety nine. Everybody's <laughs> just like under the table. That's, that's probably no. true. So, do you think they get holiday? But yeah, you're gonna get time and a half for showing up tonight. No, <laughs> these are convicts who aren't allowed to work, who are on disability. Yeah. Like, hey, just go microwave some chicken McNuggets. Yeah. So we go. Up there, it's you know two sets of stairs. I mean, it looks like a full size stage. You know, there's two sets of stairs. So as I'm getting ready to go up the left hand side of the stairs, I realize there is a full DJ booth here with like a lot of equipment. And I don't know a lot about like DJ equipment or whatever, but it there was no way that that was cheap. Mm-mm. Like all that stuff. And then I start noticing there's like all these lights. And then there's like strobe lights and there's like disco ball. And I'm like, dude, this is like a club <laughs> that they've turned into a comedy club, right? So I go and do my five and for whatever reason, murdered the owner. Like he was, you could hear him over everything. He was dying. He loved it. And uh, got invited to come back and do a weekend show. And I was like, okay, I'm going to blame. That's so like, good though that you impressed the owner enough to get invited for like a regular paid show. Yeah, well, not paid. Oh, but, you know, just I'll yeah. give you free stage <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a showcase thing. It was, uh, I was opening for a guy that came from Alabama or something. Like he's flying comics in. He's, you know, Big comics, he's flown them in from Alabama, Georgia, all this stuff. So I'm I'm opening with like a, a five. Yeah, I think I had five, and then there was like a two features at like eight minutes a piece or whatever, and then the then the headliner got twenty five, thirty something like that. I don't know. It was a lot. But anyway, so I'm like, sure, I'm gonna absolutely do that because it's a, a, a regular show. It's the first time I've done something besides an open mic, so I'm gonna do it a hundred percent. And I show back up. And same amount of staff members, about the same amount of audience members for the weekend show. But we have now added DJ. Damn, I can't remember his name. But there's a DJ. I wish that was his name. What's up, everybody? I'm DJ. Damn, I can't remember his name. DJ something, man. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, and they've got music bumping, like really loud, like club status loud. Music bumping. They've got like four or five waitresses walking around. And then a few people start filtering in. I'm like, okay, it's not going to be terrible. I'm sitting in the comics lounge, which is the couple couches behind the register, chatting them up, talking to some traveling comedians. Like, I'm like, that's the part where I'm talking about like it was cool because I felt like a comic, you know, like I've got my own special area I can hang out and I'm talking to other comics. You're not common folk. You're, you're special. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm separate from all these customers, right? And you get a free drink, so that made me feel one like... One free drink. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a steal. That was a free mixed <laughs> drink. It's like, oh, no. And the cool part was when I ordered the drink and I retched from my wallet to the payer, she's retch. like... A wretch from home. <laughs> we can't just skirt past that. What are the drink, right? So here I am, just not a regular person. I'm a comedian, okay? And I retch from my wallet. <laughs> you know what? So you can take the boy out to trailer park, but you, you know can't... What? You can't take the syntax out of the board. You know what? <laughs> Wretch? Yeah. Spell it at least. Is there a W in there? I feel uh, like there's four T's in that word. So I went for my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I went, I, I went to pay, and she, the statement she said was, oh, no, you get a free drink. You're the talent. And I was Ooh. like, oh, you got right I am. Instant chub. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like a, that was like a moment for me. I'm like, yeah. You, yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm talent. Sure am. Yep. So, the music's bumping super loud, and I'm the second 
there's two openers, and I'm the second one. So uh, Meredith goes up first. It's one of the girls that goes to our club all the time. She goes up first, and this is when the first night during the open mic, because it was such an empty room and there wasn't the music and everything, I didn't realize it as bad. But this second time, I really realized the audio in this place was atrocious. Oh, you mean they have a hall, a banquet hall, and they didn't decide to soundproof it and treat it? Nope. Because it's not like it's theater size, but it doesn't have theater curtains and the sound deadening. So it's just nothing. Reverb times 10. Behind the stage is windows to the street. You can see straight into the street behind the comic. So it's like that situation. And their audio setup, despite they've probably got $10,000 in their DJ booth, is just two church speakers (laughs) on either side of the stage behind you. Oh, cool. cool, Playing into the back of your head. And it is muddled and muddy and sounds like garbage. And you're hearing yourself from behind you. And it just makes every, it like, you know how sometimes when you have a real bad audio setup and you talk in the microphone for the first time, it makes your eyes kind of start watering. Like there's like, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever done that? Dude, I do that all the time. Like if you hook up to like a really loud speaker and talk into it and it's near you, it like makes my, like it adjusts my sinuses I just feel really stupid. Because like there's been because I used to be in a band, so anytime we'd get like a weird funky setup where it was too much reverb or you could hear yourself too much, yep. it would just fuck with everything. And you f- I felt slow, I felt stupid, I felt like because I'd go to say something and then all I could think about was the sound. I couldn't think about what I was supposed to say. So then everybody's watching you, trying to gather your thoughts, and you just look special. Yeah, you it look was... very slow. So and the some of, some of my complaints about that club are just stuff that goes on in a normal club that we've been lucky to avoid up to this point. Right. So, so I well, do my I'm doing my set and it sounds like garbage and I'm you know I can I can barely understand my so own. So how many words. audience are you playing to? Uh, there was a table of six or so on the left. Uh, there was a few people sitting on a couch up front and a couple of the staff sat down in the back. I'd say total maybe ten to twelve. And ten they, to twelve bodies. Were they filling it or were they were just like? Well, that's that's the problem. So there was there's it's a restaurant slash club. Slash comedy club slash everything else at this point. Slash apparently. birthday events. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm here for the boom They're boom shrimp. <laughs> so you go from the DJ blaring music so loud, and he's like, "All right, let's welcome our next comedian." And they call your name, and then it goes from like this house thumping, bumping music to just silence and you and a microphone. So the vibe is all weird at this point because you're like, "I'm about to tell my dick jokes," but you get to walk out to music. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's my dream because you see it all <laughs> the time. <laughs> it's not your dream. Do it one time, and it's like I mean, depend if you got to pick the music, sure. But like, I, I come out it to so like, bad. I went up at an open mic and I fucking beatboxed on stage. <laughs> oh, trust to me. give myself. I know. Remember, oh yeah, you remember I ran that by you. I <laughs> uh, remember watching so it. I'm happen. at an open mic, and I just think, oh, these professional fucking comedians, they go up and they have a soundtrack, and I'm like, I don't have a soundtrack. You know what? Fuck it, I'll make my own. And you go, don't do it. Nobody's gonna laugh at that. That's stupid. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this is gonna be cool. So I go up, I grab the mic, and I go. I was like, you know, I always envision myself coming up here with music, you know, just so I could say, cut the mic like this. And I could see, just see everybody's confused. And they're like, it's not going to work. And I immediately, superpower kicks in. You know, it's not going to work. It, you know, it'd be nice if you could tell before you got on stage. <laughs> but in the moment, and I have to make that lonely walk on this small ass stage. So I had to walk three feet, which felt like it took an hour yep. to the end of the stage, turn back around and beatbox my own intro music. I can't beatbox. So. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so I'm I just, aware. I just had to sit in the pocket and do that shit. Oh, uh, like, it was that was brutal. To but watch. at least you got the real thing, man. You got actual. Yeah, music. but it's like it's like trap music. Like 
I don't know, like, not like if I got to pick the music, sure, but like, you can't come out to like Young Thug and then it's like, John Murphy. So, um, I went on a trip. <laughs> Dude, it fucking, it's this energy dynamic that was so not good. The super hype music, you get there and be like, let me tell you a story about my grandmother. Yeah, it's like, it was, it was absolutely terrible, dude. So I do that. I do my set. It does all right. About halfway through or so, I look over and the table of six is a bunch of my people. Like, there's a lot of like, you know, yeehaw gear on and camouflage. And I'm like, these are my people. Okay. I'm glad you clarified because when you said my people, I'm like, it could be so many things. (laughs) (laughs) No, these are the the rednecks. These are the, these are the people who are going to laugh at my shit. Right. I'm like, once I get to my dick jokes, I got this group. No doubt. So like a bit about NASCAR that's going fucking <laughs> kick a murder. No, nah, I'm not going to steal your material. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get I get into my dick jokes, uh, the sex story, and they're loving it. And I get probably a minute in, and the uh, bartender or waitress or whatever comes over and decides that now's a good time for checks. So oh yeah, she's like tapping that. There's a guy who has like the table is facing this way i'm to their left he has fully spun in his seat and is engaged and laughing like i'm watching him he's the only person i can see because they've also decided the best lighting is just a bunch of floodlights directly up into your, nothing better than that lighting no 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 spotlights from the top nope just, nope just lights from the floor up into your so you eyes look like fucking frankenstein the whole time with dead eyes mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> like when you hold a flashlight underneath your exactly. face exactly oh yeah yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful setting. So, and I can see this guy because, like, I think this light's out. So I'm looking at this guy, and that's my read to know if I'm doing okay or what, like, you know, if I'm my pauses and all that stuff. Because you can't hear them at all. No, I can't hear anything except myself behind me. It's a fucking shit show. So I'm watching this guy. I'm getting my cues for laughter and pauses and all that stuff. And then this waitress comes over, and she's tapping him on the shoulder. And he, honest to God, gave her the, give me a second, because I'm, like, engaged in this guy. And she just reaches around and puts the check in front of his face. So he's like looking up at me and she's like tapping him. He's like, yeah, give me a second. And then it's just, just completely blocks his view to me. And I'm like, wow. Well, you know, a lot of clubs serve food. That's the thing that people are going to have to deal with. But maybe talk to your waitresses like, hey, if somebody's super engaged in the show, maybe just sit on the table and come back, you know? So I watch that happen, and I'm like, man, this is not going well at all. I get off the stage. Everything goes well for everybody else. Everybody gets the few laughs they're going to get from the like six or seven people in the audience. I get ready to leave, and the owner of the club is not around anywhere, but the host is. He wasn't there for the open mic. They have a host who they also have on staff who introduces the comics. I'm just thinking about all the money. They're just bleeding out. I know, dude. They're hemorrhaging. So they've got a DJ who could introduce the people, but they don't do that. They have a host who does that and a DJ to play the music and like three waitresses. It's a So the guy who hosts the show, after I get off stage, decides that now is a good time to critique my set to, to the audience. And he did the same thing to Meredith. He did the same thing to the guy who came in from North, a travel, professional traveling comedian. So, like, making fun of you guys or just talking no, about like, your you know set, what you like, should do with that piece right there? Like, that type of shit. So, he, he tells... That good advice. <laughs> no. So, you know Johnny. Yeah. Uh, he's got his... Uh, the bit about when he was a retired cop, right? And um, 
the guy's like, gets back as soon as Johnny gets off stage, he gets up and he's like, "Man, you should probably instead of cop, maybe say FBI. I think that'd be funnier." Oh, so just lie about a true story? Okay, okay. Like, if I was gonna make up a story, right? Why yeah. wouldn't I say I was on Blowjob Island and there was a dragon with dick for eyes? Like, why wouldn't I just think <laughs> yeah. of the funniest shit I could think of? Yeah, like he's given that type of like, you know what you could do with that bit? Like, now's not the time for that. The open mic that you weren't at, that no one was at, would have been the time for that. And do it after I get off. You don't go up on stage after a comic's got off and be like, let's work on your material real quick. Did the same thing to Meredith. Got to me and uh, the end of my uh, sex story. He's like, man, do white people's uh, friends just really be busting in like that? I'm like, no, dude. That's that's what makes it funny. So he's he's upset that he's telling the truth. He's upset that I'm lying. Like, Now's not the time to go over our sets. You know, just introduce the next comic, tell your joke, and get off the fucking like stage. Like most hosts, like they'll go up, do a joke, and like the whole job of the host, from what I've understood, and like remember, we've only been doing comedy for a split second. But what I've noticed of hosts is like a good host is someone who can just reset the room. Yep. If somebody's super fucking high energy, they can bring it back down to baseline for the next comedian. If somebody sucked ass and brought the energy of the room way down, they get the energy back up yeah. for the next comedian. If everything's going good, a lot of times they'll just go on and introduce the next guy. Right. It's just whenever there's a fuck up in the night, yeah. they'll reset it. So by talking <sighs> and discerning, like you think the people, the six people that came to your like weird ass club are there because they want to get like tips on somebody else's act. Right. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. It was, it was odd. So, the other people do their set or whatever. Well, after the whole thing's done and it's wrapped up and I'm ready to go home and I'm like, I'm never coming back through these doors again. <laughs> the host comes over and he was like, Hey, uh, he said the owner's name. He's like, does he have, um, do you have your information? And I was like, yeah, I gave it to him at the open mic the other night. He's like, well, he'd be losing shit all the time. Go make sure he's got your fucking shit. Cause I'm going to be calling you. Cause I'm also the booker. And I'm like, Okay. Sure, he's like, and we're going to get you on some real shows. Like, we're going to get you paid. And I'm like, and he said it like that. We're going to get you paid. I remember you telling me about that. And I was like. Like you were Mr. Big Dick Swing. Like, dude, check this out. I'm going to be a fucking paid regular at a club. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> well, I wasn't saying it like that. But anyway. But that's how it felt. And well, then, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of that in there. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, so the guy's like, yeah, we're going to get you paid. And I'm like, all right. I'll come back for a check. Like, I don't care if it's $20. Like, if you're paying me to tell my joke. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a next level thing. Because now I'm semi-pro. Right, yeah. So the thing is, like, professional is somebody who can make a living doing something. That right. is their profession. Yep. Semi-pro means you're getting paid for something that you would do as, like, a hobby or some right. shit. So that's the goal. Yeah, so what that's are you talking like the about? whole thing. Yeah, like my whole goal is like, but doing like you don't get paid for fucking open mics. Yeah, you don't get paid if you have to bark for stage time. That shows how much of a whore I am too, because like as I was getting ready to leave, I was like, "Fuck this room. This whole place can go to hell. This is such a shithole." He's like, "I'm gonna make sure you get paid." And I'm like, "Well, it's not that. It's not that bad of a room. I mean, no, I mean <laughs> the lights are good. The drinks. They got a basement. They got all, all the staff." <laughs> so I'm like, "All right. Well, at least I'm gonna get some paid, and I'm gonna get my first paid show." And then maybe some more after that. He's like, you're really funny. I like what you're doing. You killed in here tonight. Uh, I'm going to get you back. Make sure he's got your stuff. So I tell him, he's like, yep, got it right here. He shows the booker. The booker writes it in his phone. Like the whole thing doesn't seem bullshit. It seems like he really wants to book me. So I'm like, dope. He said, I've got, you know, like two weeks already booked up. After that, expect a call from me. I'm like, Hell yeah. It sounds good. Two weeks. I'll be back at this place doing some shit. I'll be getting my fucking paycheck. So like two weeks goes by. <laughs> and I haven't gotten a call 
and you know me and you are both, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. We're trying to get some other oh, gigs. Yeah. We're trying to go other places. That's why I was jealous of this. And then I was like, I was like, I got to be honest with you. I thought this was going to be a shit room because I look on their Instagram and there's fucking birthday parties and they're yep. trying to be a sports bar and a dance club and like book bands. Like when I see a dedicated comment, because that's the hard part, is like when you're trying to find like an open mic to go to or yeah. a club to go to, you want a comedy club. It's you don't want to go eat at a Chinese restaurant that also does comedy because yeah. when people are fucking eating their wontons and shit, right. you're trying to tell jokes. You're like, no, pay attention to me. Like, no, 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 I'm just trying to eat my wontons. I don't right. give a fuck about your jokes. I yeah. came here for the food. So Very when distracting. it's a, when it's a dedicated comedy place, you're like, all right, cool. They just made it so much easier. Yeah. So that's why well, I was like, also the the room's going to be better at a dedicated comedy. Club oh yeah, because people you know, are there to a, watch comedy. Because a lot of the open mics are at breweries or fucking yeah. bowling alleys or something oddball mm-hmm. off the wall. So when it is a comedy club, and that is what they do, it's in the name. LOL. Yeah. yeah. Means laugh out loud. I assume. LOL Comedy Corner was the name of the the, the thing. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, <laughs> but there's been a lot of talk in different tenses than present like past yeah. <laughs> some of this and that's because after two weeks i'm like you know what i haven't heard from lol and i thought that i was supposed to be getting some some gigs here yeah. know, where's my shit at gotta get my beak wet <laughs> so one of the other comics that goes with me that went with me on that that goes to our club regularly also got that that spiel that they're going to be contacted to do some more and i'm like okay so I reach out and ask her. I was like, hey, did you hear anything else from Mel? She's like, oh, no, they shut down. <laughs> what? Like, I know. They oh, no, say. they're out of business. And not like a little out of business where they're kind of hemorrhaging money and they're trying to do some things and give some sales and some promotions to get. Like, there is a for sale <laughs> sign on the door, fully bankrupt. Them bitches be gone. <laughs> Which is great because it's like, there's the adage. It's like. Fifty percent of businesses fell within the first year. Eighty yeah. percent fell within the first five years. Try three months. And like this place was gone. <laughs> yeah, dude, in and out in no time. And I'm not laughing at someone failing at a at a business. It is hard to start a business or whatever. But dude, when you have that many people, you're paying to work there. I mean, there was so many and red no flags. Customers. Like I never walked into the establishment, and I knew just off of an Instagram post. I'm like, this isn't gonna work. Yeah. When you're talking about book your birthday party today, any Saturday, I'm like. Shouldn't that be your busiest day? Right, yeah. Yeah, I, oh, I think, I don't know. And then they also had this real shady thing where they were posting like uh, these amazing gourmet-looking meals on their Instagram. And remember then people that? would go like there crab and get, like, fucking, and like Sam's Club chicken fingers. Chicken and waffle. And that's all they had was frozen chicken fingers and frozen mozzarella sticks. Come like for the duck Marie calendars. <laughs> Leave with a, with a country fair corn dog. <laughs> it was bad. But, you know... They come and go, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it was the fact that they staffed 15 people a night with two customers, uh, both of which were brought by the two comics that were there. <laughs> but at least you've got another club under your belt. So you can see it's still the same city. Yeah. So you can see now something that I've been doing, and we might take you guys on like a live look of the process of what goes on in the future. That'd be cool. I've been reaching out all over because I travel for work. Yeah. So I go all the way to the Eastern Shore. And I don't mind going, you know, basically, I, I don't mind driving a 10-hour radius anywhere. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm constantly on the road. So I'm like, well, while I'm dra- you know, driving, I'll stop into some of these cities. I'll do an open mic here. Mm-hmm. I'll go to this club. There's so few and far between, like, actual comedy clubs. So a lot of the open mics are at a brewery or at a pizza place or whatever the fuck. Right. So the fact that you had another credit kind of got under my skin a little bit. And I've been trying to reach out to all these people with COVID and blah, blah, blah. It has been a bitch. Especially now, like, 
because I've got a credit under my under my belt. That competition we told you guys about last episode, we'll, we'll get into that next week. Yep. But the competition comes out, and we did pretty well in the competition. So now I've got like a credit that I can give, and it's not just, oh, he's a comedian. It's like, this is a comedian that's won a fucking competition. So I'm like, oh, that's going to carry some weight. Nope. <laughs> not so far. <laughs> but uh, so I've been out there, and I've been trying to get on you know, some of these... Uh, these different open mics and these different spots, and it's slow going. You by. went, you went really hard at it too. Oh like, yeah. yeah, you were like, like I, I, asked you, I was like, you know, what we should I redid do? my headshots. <laughs> I fucking redid my Instagram. You know, we should uh, you know start reaching out to some other clubs. You're like, oh, I've submitted stuff to like 30 clubs. I've got headshots. I'm like, when the fuck? What? what, what, what you can tell me about any of this shit? Sometimes I get lonely at night. You know? <laughs> other guys are into like drugs or whatever. I'm into you know unsolicited harassment of businesses or <laughs> in yourself out. <laughs> So I finally got a couple to say, all right, these dates. Yeah. So like in the D.C. area of the country right now. So I'm like, that's kind of cool. And then we got a guy to reach out to us because of, you know, I thought because of my credit, I had somebody reach out to us that runs a theater that's put on a showcase. And he... Dude, that was hilarious. Yeah. So this guy reaches out to me and he says, hey, I've got a spot coming up at the end of the month. He goes, do you think you can do 10 minutes? And I'm like, absolutely. Put me down no matter what. And I just, And then I didn't tell you. Yeah, initially I was gonna I was gonna just straight away tell you and then we go to the open mic that night at our club and then you walk up to me and you're like hey just so you know you know this theater you know booked me for a showcase I'm like oh did they did they book you for a theater because you were acting like hey I'm sorry I'm just better than you but they'd message us both at the same time we were both holding it off so we could like tell each other yeah because it was like a win it was like oh look how good i am but it's like, oh, i got no. i got this theater show. and you're like oh really yeah the same one that i'm also going to and i'm like fuck because like, <laughs> i thought i had one on you it's nice because we've been doing comedy for such a short amount of time oh yeah you know at the time of this competition like two two and a half months mm-hmm. so and that's not going up every week and that's really only once a week some people live in cities like LA or New York where they can go up every fucking because they can of the go week. to multiple clubs and do the open on Wednesdays yeah. here and the open on Tuesdays here and, and like all of that we don't have that luck we, have we don't have that luxury now and, we only have one club left <laughs> and, with, and with COVID like funny bones are like oh we're renovating right now and we'll, we may open you know we've been closed for two years yeah. bullshit like that so it's been hard for us to like find places to go up a bunch. So whenever like somebody said, oh, yeah, you get to go up, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I just thought I had this fucking trump card over you. And then, nope. Nope. I got it too, baby. And then oh, I'm like, my um, God. Because the thing that I'm worried about is like we've been doing comedy for such a short time, but yet we've done fairly well yeah, like, at I that think place. I'm, I'm very proud of both of us. Yeah. For what we've accomplished in the short amount of... I mean, I mean, knock on wood, I'm sure it's coming. I'm just going to go up on stage and eat dick bigger than shit, and oh. I'm going to get booed off the stage, and people are going to be like, you need to fucking quit. Because like, nobody, none of my friends and family think I'm funny. But the audience laughs at my jokes, and I'm like, that's the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah. If I would have just went up there and sucked ass, and I'm like, oh, maybe this hobby's not for me, I'll go try something else. <laughs> but because I've gone up there and done good, I'm just like, maybe this is my calling. Maybe this is what I was meant to do. I have bombed. You were there for it. And when I forgot everything. Oh, that was a weird situation. Well, yeah, sure. But you haven't had that experience yet. No. Let me tell you, it's a good time. <laughs> so Murphy goes up on stage and he's trying new stuff, mind you. So this is untested stuff, which you're always nervous. Because like, the, a lot of people, their school of thought is they'll go up and they'll do old stuff that works. And then they'll work in a new premise yeah. to see if it goes. And then they'll go back to the other stuff. 
Not us. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough places to try shit out. We're, we, we're trying to develop a lot well, of time Also, quickly. I'm primarily a storyteller. Yeah. So all of my jokes are about five minutes long. Yeah. One thing. So I can't take out a joke and put in a new joke yeah. to try it. I'm... You know, so a lot thing. of the times we go up, it's brand new fives. And that's so scary because it's like, none of this is going to fucking work. I'm not going to learn anything from this. And the common school of thought is you need to try a premise a few times before you throw it away and go, that's not funny. Yeah. But, you know, does not us. You know, this is our opportunity. So we go up and we see if it works. So you're going up with five brand new minutes on mm-hmm. a five minute open mic. And, you know, you're, you're getting through it. And then there's just some drunk people in the crowd and it starts getting unruly. And it gets to the point where they're so fucking drunk that they've spilled beer and they've got the whole staff and everybody in there and they're trying to clean up this beer. The house lights were on. The house lights are on and everybody in the audience is staring at this group and then you just blank. Yeah. And you I, just fucking that's go. On, that's on me though. You actually look at me and go, I'm dying up here. I have no idea where I'm at. <laughs> well, you're sitting in the front and I was like, I just want to let you know, this is a fucking disaster right now. And then I was like, oh, I, I, did, did my face make it look like you were doing good? Because... <laughs> this was concern. So whatever you said, I'm dying up here. I was like, but of course. <laughs> it was bad. I got it back, though. I am. That's like the the thing I take from that is no matter how bad, like if you get so lost or so discombobulated or whatever that you completely lose train of thought and openly admit, hey, I'm fucking dying right now. I have no idea where I'm at in my set. I'm completely lost. I still was able to get it back and get laughs at the end. Oh, yeah. And that's like the thing I hold on to about that. I'm not proud of that set by any means. I wish it had never happened, and I should have been able. And a seasoned comic would have done much better with that. But because I'm so new and so nervous all the time anyway, seeing that shit distract me, I was like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. I just started. I'll let the freak out freak me out. So what I've taken from all this is like since we've got – you know, because we're not starting at 18. You know, we're we're 30. Yeah. So like for us to start doing this shit – it's 31 so we're in our 30s you know 30 is still cute because it's like kind of like you're in your 20s yeah but when you're in your 30s it's like oh, it's yeah. fucking over i'm 30 as fuck boy. so we're starting this new endeavor so i'm like i don't have a lot of time to find myself you know i'm gonna have to like put in some work yeah so every time i go up there i'm analyzing the fuck out of it to the point where it's annoying so i go up there and i see your set and what i took away from that is like experienced comedians Whenever there's something so obvious in a, like if it was an arena, who knows? But in a club like that, where one tenth of the crowd is fucking dealing with this bullshit of them cleaning up the drink and stuff, you've got to address it. Because everybody in the club is thinking about it. Yeah. So, but you just trying to continue on, like, how about macaroni and cheese or whatever yeah. the fuck? No, everybody is thinking about what's Which, going on. Which, that's true, because I got a laugh from the audience, like, when I was like, I said, the, I said the same line twice, and I was like, sorry, there's a lot going on back here, and everyone laughed at that. Like, yeah, everyone was thinking it already. They're waiting for you. There's so much tension built up, because that's the whole point of comedy, right? It's like, you build up tension, and you release it with the punchline. Yeah. Well, there's all this tension, naturally, because some fucking idiot spilled beer all over the place and made it way of a bigger issue than it needed to be, and there's like two rows of people having to deal with shit. So like, there's all this tension, and it's going to get released just by you acknowledging it. Yeah. So most like seasoned comics would have like addressed that, made that they're this. And like, yeah. I know you've only got five minutes, and you want to try your five minutes, but you in the moment, you should have just realized like... I'm not going to finish you're this You're not going to get through this. I'm not going to It's not going to be bit. productive. Let's just go and Work on this. some crowd work skills. Yeah. And that happened to me, too, because that's something I've been nervous about. It's like, well, I'm working on my material. Like, something I've never got to do is really talk to the crowd. Yeah. And I remember the first time I'm like, I'm going to... There was a drunk bitch. And she was just... They would not shut the fuck up the entire time. Just <laughs> Yeah. Which is almost worse than a heckler, because a heckler is like, they give you something to work with. Yeah. The drunk people, not. They're just talking. 
and you just want them to amongst stop. themselves amongst yeah. themselves yeah. and you just want them to stop so i go up there and then they finally start shouting stuff at me and i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna bust these people and i sort of had a pre-canned line that i was gonna give out and i say something uh i don't remember what i was gonna say i just remember it was around christmas time so i asked her like what she asked for for christmas because i was trying to make conversation with you and yeah. she goes big dicks and I'm like, well, fuck, what am I going to do now? There's nothing I can say that's funnier than that. <laughs> so then I just like shut down and then like I go to give another line, but I was so embarrassed that I couldn't even just say the line. I had to like do like a little dance and like say it in a weird voice. Yeah. And as I was doing, I'm like, who is this? I've never done this dance or voice. <laughs> what am I doing? So at the end of that show, I was like, okay, crowd work is a huge gap in our development to become a comedian. We've yeah. got to fucking work on this. Yeah. So the next couple nights I went up, I was listening like a hawk for anybody to say anything just so I could talk. <laughs> that's to a bad. That's a bad idea. No, it worked out great. It's like, like, yeah, I could write material, or I could go up there and just hope someone fucks with me. I just fucking. <laughs> and it wasn't because like I wanted to be mean to these people. I just wanted to work on talking to the audience. Yeah. So the next couple that. times I went up, I just made a point that anytime anything happened in the audience, I needed to address yeah. it. Yeah. Because I realized so much, especially in those small, intimate rooms. It's like a conversation with a group of people. Everybody wants to feel like they're in on whatever you're talking about. So if something happens, you got to address it. I mean, like if it's a yeah. bigger room, you can probably just like ignore it until it goes I away. I think that's the, I think for me, like I fucking know, I'm not a professional comedian or anything. In but my tenured career. For for me, my first, re, my first response always is going to be ignoring it. Oh, like, yeah. I, I don't, until it becomes such a problem that it's distracting the audience and not just me. I'm just going to let them let it go, whatever. But once they're loud enough or annoying enough that people around them are starting to notice and I can tell it's affecting them, then I have to address it. Otherwise, yeah, I'm losing everyone because they're not going to be they're not going to be focused on me. They're going to be focused on them. But if it's just two people like in the corner talking amongst themselves and it's distracting to me, but it's not really bothering anyone else, you just got to ignore it and keep rolling, man. Otherwise, there's a thin line between like addressing a situation and looking like an asshole looking for a problem. And unfortunately you're on stage with the microphone in your hand. You're the authority there. Right. For that moment, you're the person in charge. And if you're just like, as soon as someone whispers, like, you know, they could be saying he's really funny. Yeah. I've seen comics do that. Not that you did that that night, that, that bitch was a problem, but I've seen a lot of comics do that where it's like, as soon as someone's like, man, he's really killing it. Be like, what the fuck did you say? Like they're yeah. just ready. They're just don't dying be that guy to either. be a Steve Hofstetter yeah. with like canned fucking yeah. heckler bullshit. But so I go up there and I, I talk to some of the other comics who've been doing it a lot longer. And I was like, well, what do you do in this situation? He goes, well, first off, if somebody's talking to you, he goes like, if they're just drunk and they're talking, he's like, you got to remember, they're not heckling. They're having a conversation. They didn't do anything wrong in their mind. So if you jump all over them, you look like an asshole. Yeah. Because you can't do that. He goes, but if somebody's talking, he goes, and they're, they're inviting you to respond to them. Yeah. And he goes, if it's a small room, you know, then you might need to address it because everybody's already thinking about right. it. And he goes, the number one thing, and I was like, this is so basic, and it seems like everyone should know, but I didn't. But it's like when somebody yells something out and you're talking back and forward, you've got a microphone, they don't. So re the first thing you do, repeat whatever they say to you. It's like, you fucking suck. And, like, and then just repeat it back. Like, oh, I fucking suck. And that gives you a split second to think about your retort. Plus it lets everyone else know what they what said. Because they, they can't hear it. And I mean, sense. that might be funny. The, the heckler might be getting laughs. And a lot of times you could just repeat what they say and then repeat it again. I'm like, oh, I've... And whatever. Yeah. And you can get laughs just because people are laughing that you're addressing what's going on. Like yeah. whenever they were cleaning up the beer and you're like, what in the hell is going on over here? And then, you know, people laugh. Yeah. 
So uh, I just hope it, I never have to worry about it. I mean, that's obviously not the case. And then another it's one happen. somebody told me was like, when you walk into the room, he goes, if you've got some time to go up, just to ease your mind, just go ahead and start looking at some people in the audience that stand out and get some pre-canned stuff going that might work with your joke or might work with something else. And I was like, makes sense. I was like, I don't know about that. And then I started doing it, and I can't turn it off. Like I'm in the audience, like that guy looks like a really tall Randy Travis. That guy's like, whoa, well, his feet are way too small for his, but whatever. And I started thinking yeah. about stuff. And then I noticed on this one show, I was like, fuck, this is a really old audience. And I'm going to do a whole joke. I've got a five minute bit about porn. And I'm like, they might not get the specific categories of porn because they don't even know how to work a fucking computer. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what kind of, what did they, like old people had porn. Yeah. But like, what do they do? Do they just go to a gas station, buy a nudie magazine, or do they have to send off for that shit with Sears? And that popped in my head. I'm like, that's funny. Yeah. And immediately I get to the porn bit. And the old crowd doesn't really get it. Of course. So of course I address that. I'm like, you know, I say the joke about, I'm like, yeah, but these people fucking don't understand what I'm talking about with porn because back in their day, they had to, you know, mail off to Sears and pick out of a catalog and wait for the porn to come in in six to eight business weeks or whatever. And yeah. then it just, it's killing because I'm in the moment and I'm talking about something that's specific to that crowd. Yeah. And it's not something that gets added to the bit, but it's just like, oh, that's, and it was just something I was so wanting to work on. Yeah. Because I ate shit so bad talking about, like trying to talk to the crowd. I'm like, no, I've got to get better at talking to the crowd. And That's, I had one legit heckler who was just fucking yelling at me, and I couldn't think of anything to say, but someone else was like, you just got to ignore it. So I was trying to ignore it, and I couldn't. So I just looked at him and said no. And that's all I said. And it fucking murdered. It's like, what? <laughs> he just kept saying shit. And then at the end of his rant, he was just like, roll tide. And I'm like, no. <laughs> that's all I said. And fucking people died just laughing. Just shut it down. And I was like, oh, you don't have to have witty can Steve Hofstetter type right. responses. You just have to address the elephant in the room sometimes. Yeah, if it's if it's a big enough problem for other people to notice it, you have to address it. I just don't want to. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be looking for that. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy who's like, man, I hope somebody fucks with me while I'm on stage so I can say this thing I've been thinking about for three weeks to him. I, I like it though, just because like I went from being like so pre-planned in my material, like I've got to get from point A to point B, yeah. and I've got to get all the way through this. And then it's just like, well, what if something does happen, or there's like a lull, yeah, or there's like. And the, the another thing too is like sometimes you'll get it too big of a laugh. Like one time I did a self-deprecating joke, and people were laughing too hard at me, and it's the point where I was like, "All right, fuck you guys." Yeah, and I was, that's what I thought, dude. That was one of my favorite lines you've said. Is like, okay, yeah, but fuck y'all a little bit. Yeah, because like that's <laughs> that was, all I was thinking. Was that was I was good. Like, I like. I was like, a lot. fuck these people for laughing too hard at that joke. Like it was just a little joke about myself. <laughs> yeah, and they just kept dying, and I kept trying to say the tag, and they kept laughing, and I was like. And it sort of hurt my feelings. I'm like, man, fuck you guys. And I was like, oh, say that. And then I just did. Yeah. But it was just allowing myself to be in the moment and yeah. talk to the crowd. Oh, it's huge. Uh, but the the thing that made that funny is not just saying, fuck you guys. It was, fuck you a little bit, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, but also, that's you could tell that's how it felt. Because yeah. I had another I had that one another comedian come up to me, and he's like, a lot of the stuff. I'm like, I need a real critique, man. I was like, be brutally honest. Like, yeah. I don't need you to like tell me I did good. I need you to tell me what sucked. And he goes... There's so many things that you've done as ad libs in the moment that you've tried to add to your shit. And he goes, they only worked in that moment because the crowd was all in, you know, on the same pay wavelength. They were on the same vibe right. or whatever. He goes, it doesn't work every time. He goes, you can't do the porn thing and then talk about old people if it's nothing but 20 year old kids. Yeah. He goes, so that shit, if it's an ad lib, leave it an ad lib. If it ends up becoming a tag or another punchline, cool. He goes, it may be, you might find it right on stage. He goes, but. 
just because it worked one time doesn't mean it's going to work every time. Yeah. So just make sure you're keeping the essentials and ad libs stay ad libs unless they're truly good enough to become a punchline. I think that's just the the immaturity of of the career of comedy. Not that you're an immature person, but like the fact that you haven't been doing it very oh, long. Yeah. It's like as soon as you get a laugh, I want to hold on. Oh, to oh, oh, that's mine. I'm like, yeah. you know how hard it is to write something that's funny. The yeah. fact that something just came to me like a gift from the gods. I'm like, I want to keep doing it. Yeah, that's something I've got to get way better at is ad-libbing in general on stage because 99.9% of the time I'm up there, I'm, it's like I'm reading point it a off. Point A to point B. I'm reading it off of a sheet You've of got paper. A performance? I have no extra shit. Nope. That's like, here's what I was going to say and here's exactly what I said and I write it to be funny so that works but also I need to get better at being able to be a little more fluid, I think. And I think it's something we took for granted because when we were first, when, when people are first watching comedy as kids, yeah, they think this is just some dude who's really funny, who just walked out on stage and started crushing. Yeah. They don't know that that's a pre-planned act. Right. That they've worked on for a year, two years, whatever. They think that that's just a funny dude. Yeah. And that's true. I think that's what the audience still holds on to, is they want it to feel spontaneous. Yeah. So if there's a chance to be spontaneous and say it in a different way, and I was like, that's why you'll see some comics with a certain joke, a certain bit, and they'll do it slower in a more dead small audience or they'll mm-hmm. do it more energy if that's how the room is like they'll yeah. tailor it that way they can be more spontaneous and feel like it's in the moment that's and i didn't realize that something i gotta work on then there was a i got invited to do that weekend show and i was opening for a pretty big comic and it was four shows two each night and the first show like i asked like hey what the club owner i'm like what jokes do you think i should do and helped him plan my set because i was doing 10 minutes and i go up there and i do it and i didn't really get the laughs I want, I was like, fuck, that was weird. But because it was so rehearsed and I was trying to get it word for word. And then the second show, show and it's like eight people. I'm like, yeah. fuck, it's really small. I'm like, I don't think they're going to give a shit about these jokes. And I'm like, I think they're laughing at like sexual stuff. I'm going to do a sexual joke. But I hadn't rehearsed it. I hadn't practiced it. I just said, I know this. When I wrote it, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I just said, I'm doing this. And I go up there. And because I was trying to remember like how I did the joke on stage, it was so much more loose. And I fucking, it was to, my, to this day probably my best set. Really? And I was just killing I because I was so song. much more loose. Yeah. And then like, I'll do that same bit and it doesn't do as good. I'm like, what's the, and the only difference is just how loose I was and how in the moment I was and how, res- like, because if people are laughing, pause, let them laugh. You know, if they're not laughing, maybe speed up and go through that. If something's not working, maybe bail on this section of the joke and get to the next one that will. Yeah. But just having the foresight to understand that, that's huge. And that I guess that just comes with experience. Yeah. I mean, we're still, uh, you know, I think we're improving massively every week, every time we go on stage. I think we're getting better, but we're still very, very new at this game. And I think a lot of this stuff is going to become more obvious the more time. I mean, Sure, in time frame since we since we went on stage the first time, it's probably been what four months, something like that, mm-hmm. at this point. But that's four months going up once a week and sometimes missing weeks. So it's still stage time is still very minimal compared to if you'd been doing four months in New York where you could hit three or four clubs a night, um, or three or four clubs a week. That's like a much more mature oh, yeah. comic than someone who's done four months here where we're doing it. Hundred so percent. I think just give it some more time get on stage more, get more comfortable. Cause I'm still, I still get nervous like to do an open mic. Like, Oh man, it's the that's, worst. that should be something where I'm like, I'm you know nervous cause I'm working on something new. But if I went in there with the same bits I've been doing since the day one that I know kill, I still get nervous cause it's still, 
a new concept to be going on stage and telling jokes. So. That's what's hard for us too. Is like we'll talk to other comedians and be like, man, I don't think that one joke really landed or like I'm having a hard time writing and they'll just be so pissed. I'm like, Oh really? You've been doing this for a handful of months. You're going on stage and getting laughs, but you're having a hard time writing. Yeah. It's just like, I get it. It's hard for us to, to understand that it's okay to suck. It's okay to not be great when you're so new at something. But it's like just because thing. it's like, no, I've spent so much time on it. I think about it, and I don't like sucking, so I don't want to right. suck. Yeah. All, All right. So anyway, uh, go ahead and move on into something we like to do on this show is we like to break down uh, and review professional comedians. Uh, since we have been doing comedy for a little bit, we've learned some tips and tricks along the way. So we think that gives us a little more insight than when we were just fans. So now we'd like to talk about comedy as we see it now to see if we notice anything different. Other than these guys are just naturally talented. Right. So what are we watching today? Today it is uh, a Tom Segura bit, one of our favorite comics of all time. I love Tom. Um, And one of his best bits, I think. It's from uh, the Completely Completely Normal. Completely Normal. Yeah, Completely Normal. I think which was either his first or second special. It's on Netflix, but it's uh, Steven Seagal is out of his mind. It's a whole bit about Steven Seagal. It is absolutely hilarious. So... We're going to watch it, try to break it down a little bit, and uh, it's going to play all the way through. Uh, for audio listeners, it's going to play all the way through right now. Um, for If you're watching on YouTube, we're not going to leave it in for copyright reasons, but we will link it in the description below. Exactly. We'll link the All right, Kay, go ahead and cue that up. It's all the, all the same cliche shit they said when we were kids. They now say as adults, right? They're like, oh, you know, you, you, know, you watch too much TV, it'll rot your mind, or you can't learn anything from television, but that's not true. You can learn a lot from television. For instance, without television, I would have no idea that Steven Seagal is out of his fucking mind. (laughs) Or alive. I also didn't know that. (laughs) He has a show. It's not a scripted show. It follows around the real Steven Seagal, and every episode begins with him looking in the camera and saying, I don't know if you knew this or not, but for the last 20 years, I've been a cop. And you're like... What did you just say? I thought you'd been making shitty movies for the last 20 years. What are you talking about? You watch the show, he has the most unlikable quality in a human being, which is that he is an expert in everything. Literally, if a dog walks by, he's like, that's a Shih Tzu boxer hound mix right there. And they're like, how do you know that? He's like, I've been working with dogs for like 35 years. Then a helicopter flies by. He's like, that's a HUB 106. And they're like, how do you know that? And he's like, I've been flying helicopters for like 47 years. <laughs> then he does the thing, though, that everybody does who knows something about everything. Everybody has a friend, no matter what you're doing. They know the history of it all. They know every topic, every fucking fact. If you're eating dinner, they're like, you know, forks are from the Roman times, and they would sculpt them out of bark. And you're like, will you shut the fuck up and let me finish this, please? (laughs) Seagal will do that, too, but you know he's making it up. He'll be like, you know, they also call that helicopter a skippy. And they're like, why? He goes, listen to it. Skip, 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 skip. That's bullshit. You made that shit up. Seriously. It just blows my mind. It really does. That everybody in this room, everybody has this real world possibility in their lives. All of us. We could go tonight, if we wanted to, tonight. You could go to Louisiana. You could start a fight in a bar. And there is a real 
world possibility that Steven Seagal <laughs> will arrest you. <laughs> Isn't that insane to you? I've lost sleep over this shit. I mean, that's crazy. That's literally like if you leave here and you roll through a stop sign and then Sylvester Stallone is like, hey, roll it down. And you're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you work here? He's like, it's my passion, yeah. Will you say Adrian or something? Nah. <laughs> it's nuts, you have to watch this show. He, he panders to every group according to race, knowing full well there's a camera crew following him around. He doesn't give a shit. If you're white, he's like, how's it going? All right. <laughs> and then the black people, he's like, what's up, cuz? <laughs> and they're like, hey, what's up? I'm holding you down, so holler if you need something. Okay. <laughs> and then to all Latino, Spanish-speaking people, he insists on speaking horrifically broken Spanish, even if they start the conversation in English. If they're like, hey, yeah, I called 911, thank you for coming. The thing is, he's like, ah, hola. <laughs> Mucho queso. <laughs> like, I think my English is way better than your Spanish, man. And he's like, no, gracias. No. And then to all Asian people, he bows, regardless of where he meets them. If you're Asian and you cross Steven Seagal's path, he's like, yeah. And you sit and they go, hey, I was born here, you dick. Like, you don't have to do that. And he's like, sorry, I've been doing martial arts for like 85 years. He trains other cops in hand-to-hand -hand combat. I think that's infuriating for those cops. It's not like we're hanging out. We're like, hey man, do you want to do like a couple shots and then go down the street? Uh, Steven Seagal is teaching people how to throw punches. And we're like, okay. <laughs> no, it's you're a cop and you show up at work and they're like, we're going to go over hand-to-hand -hand combat today so you can protect yourself if you're in a really dangerous situation. You're like, oh cool. Who'd you bring in to teach us? Like some Navy SEALs or Green Berets? And they go, uh, no, uh, we brought in Steven Seagal. <laughs> And you're like, are we shooting a fucking movie this week or something? Like, mm -mm. Okay, I'll pass, because that's ridiculous. I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> that's literally like if you were like at NASA, and they're like, all right, future astronauts, uh, we're going to go over space exploration. And to get us started, why don't you welcome uh, Captain Kirk? Come on out, man. <laughs> and you're like, is he qualified to do this? And they're like, oh, you've seen him do all that shit. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he's been up there. They show him teaching people how to fight. It's horrible. He's bloated now. He doesn't have the same range of motion. He's like, everybody line up. If somebody, if somebody throws a punch, you can, you can block it like that. And then, and then you can kick him in the throat like that. Are you kicking a child in the throat right now? Some people's throws are down there. I like Havarti cheese the most. What's your favorite? Oh my oh. God, he's so fucking good. I love him, dude. <clears throat> I was trying to figure out what makes it, because it's not a story. No. It's conversational. I think what is so good is he's got that David Spade-esque snark and sarcasm. Yeah. And he's having a conversation with himself 
But when he answers it, he answers it as so bewildered but snarky. It's like he's playing a movie where he's the straight man, but then he also answers it as like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it's just... <laughs> and there was a few good Mr. X in there. Oh, my God. Like, I, Dude, if I wasn't for movies, I wouldn't have known that Steven Seagal is batshit crazy. <laughs> or alive. Out of his fucking mind. Yeah, I like that he did that and, and then, then went tag. back to like, or alive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It wasn't like he wanted. I think that by doing that, he's he's proven he's not a Seagal fan, but he learned all this from watching that one show oh, yeah. about how Steven's a fucking insane person, and he is insane. Yeah, like, absolutely. When did? Can you look up and tell us when that came out? The completely normal special because yeah, because that had to be around the time that that was going on TV. I know this lot, looks right? like we're super bougie, and we have a producer because like, hey, can you pull that up? Okay, it's my wife, and she. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a 14. 2014. Oh. So that was, God, six, seven, eight years ago? That's hard. Look how, look how much he's changed in eight years. Just Tom Segura as Lost a person. Lost a lot of weight. Like, dude, he was, he was chubby dude, looking then. I know that's not like old to say like, well, it still holds up, but that shit was fucking hilarious. And I think his thing that's so amazing in, in that is just, he's having a conversation yeah. with himself and he's playing the parts Fucking amazing. He oh, yeah. gives you the information as a straight man, and then he just acts totally blue. Like, what? Like, <laughs> I also love that his his act out of Steven Seagal isn't even like... Not even remotely close yeah, to Yeah, it's Steven not Seagal. even... It's like, he just goes like this. It just sounds like <laughs> Which a... Which is a funny voice, so that helps. also, like, but... it perfectly personifies, like, what Steven Seagal is, just this fat, stupid buffoon <laughs> yeah. who's, like, pretending to be, like, this amazing... Everything, martial arts fighter, police officer, and they're like, no, you're, like, you're just a character of right. a human. So just by him, it's kind of like on Mad TV, whenever they used to do Kenny Rogers, yeah. and he was just a raging alcoholic, and it didn't sound anything like Kenny Rogers. <laughs> but it was just hilarious, because it's like, oh, that's who Kenny Rogers Dude, is. Dude, Tom Segura has, like, like, he is now, at this point in 2022... He is still aligned with Steven Seagal so much. He still does shit about Steven Seagal. And I love that. It's his gold mine. He keeps going back. Oh, to yeah. It. I mean, it all came from this bit. That and Garth Brooks, which shout out your mom's house. That's fucking. Oh, my God. I love that. But he's still like when they did the he did the dance off against Burt Kreischer. He did it as Steven Seagal. And he's like, he put a ponytail on and everything. It was insane that he's gotten so much off. This is just a bit. Like, he wasn't, like, doing stuff about Seagal before that bit. That was his first Seagal and only Seagal bit, and he just keeps milking that, dude. It's such a hilarious thought process he went down. That's also why he's one of my favorite comedians is, like, there's the one-liners out there, and then there's the big, long storytellers out there. I love somebody who can just do a topic that probably could have been a one-liner. Yeah. Somebody could have came up with how Steven Seagal is batshit crazy and did it relatively shortly. He kept drilling down and then taking you on sidebars. Like, you know how we've got the friend, and then, well, Forks were made a minute. Can you shut the fuck up? Yeah. Like, that's a great sidebar. And then he goes on to Steven Seagal, talks about, like, martial arts, and then helicopters, and then fucking Captain Kirk, because he's just... he. He kept drilling down onto one subject, but he kept expanding it. And he just, I love when people keep drilling down and they keep finding the funny. The fact that he brought up the Captain Kirk thing. (laughs) (laughs) Steven Seagal. He wears like, we're looking at a picture of Steven Seagal wearing his full kung fu outfit and his 1990s Ray Bans that are (laughs) basically readers that are tinted, you know? Uh, Pull up a picture of uh, Tom Segura. Tom Segura dance off or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, 
Dude, that guy's a fuck. And I love that. Yeah, look at. <laughs> he did a pretty good version of him. <laughs> He's got the. I don't know why it got me so good too when he was talking about the different ethnicities, how he addresses them. But when he sees Asian people, he bows because that's not <laughs> what I thought he was gonna say. Because that's kind of something I forgot that Asian culture did. Well, he also he like it's a, it's almost a bait and switch there because he goes through whites and then blacks doing the voice that he does to them, and then for Asians, he bows. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that that's true. Yeah. So with comedy. A big thing that you'll notice is like a list joke or rules of threes. Like that's a magic thing you can do. It's like basically you do one thing, a second thing, and because people are so ingrained to follow patterns, the third one you just throw them off. So yep. you could say something that's big, big, small, or he regular, did, he regular, did, crazy. He did three regulars and then because he did white people, he's like, hey man, what's up? Black people, he's like, I'm holding you down. And yeah. Mexican people or any Latino culture, he always insists on speaking horribly broken Spanish. And he does that. And he's like, and then Asian people, he bows. That's what was so great is he basically did a, a rule of three. Yeah. And he did it with an act out and a tag in each one. Yeah. So he did black people. He did uh, Latino people. And then when he got to yeah. the Asians, like you said, like he didn't do any sort of an act out. He just said, he bows. I'm like, yeah. I was born here, motherfucker. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite part of that bit is he brings to light the thing that when I first saw that cop show, did you ever watch the actual show that Steven Seagal did? Where he I think I saw a couple YouTube clips of it. The first time I saw that, the very first thing that came to my head is like, dude, someone is like a big Seagal fan and got in a bar fight at some point and got arrested by their eye because that's the type of people who get in bar fights, people who like Steven Seagal oh, a yeah. lot. So, you know, at some point someone was getting arrested and was like, holy shit, you're Steven Seagal. And he, he brings that to life. He's like, do you realize that you could go to Louisiana and start a bar fight yeah, like, that's a real possibility he could arrest you. And I'm like, that's the first thing I thought that's about. That's great, too, because as an observation, he's he's addressing something that is extremely, like, we would all understand it, but no one's really thought about it. Right. And he's just bringing to light how fucking insane it is that a Hollywood C-list level actor is also a police in some small, shitty parish yeah. in Louisiana. And then he compares it to Stallone, which is the perfect comparison. Oh, yeah. They're both like... Could you say Adrian? No. <laughs> <laughs> they're both not good talkers. They oh, both, my favorite is at the end when he's doing his little act out about like him doing the training. He goes, some people's throats are down there. And then he just starts talking about cheese. Because <laughs> yeah. that's something that Tom Segura does a lot. He'll just say something fucking random that has nothing to do with anything, and it's just hilarious. Those are some of my favorite things he does, though. Those are the times I laugh the hardest is when he just says something else off the wall. Like anything ran- That's why I was always such a big Patton Oswalt fan, because like the more random and obscure you can go with it, the harder I laugh for whatever reason. Oh. So I love that he'll be like, a super focused point, like here's the deal with St- Steven Seagal, goes through all of that, and then just out of nowhere he talks about cheese. That shit kills me, dude. Tom Segura is a He's legend. the GOAT, man. I love him so much. He is absolutely. I think he's hilarious. Probably, no, not probably. He is absolutely my favorite comedian doing it right now. He's my favorite current comedian. He makes me laugh harder than just about anybody. That's not true. What? We're reading something right there that says that Tom Segura started in 2009. No. No. Well, I mean, maybe. When did he put out his first album? Tom Let's go to his wiki and we'll see his album. But here's the thing about Tom Segura that I love so much, and it's something that I think you need to, to really separate yourself from the other comedians. If you want to be like one of the greats his first album was 2010 i guess he could have i guess they talk about like he started touring in 2009 Yeah, because there's no way you fucking put out your first album with a year's work go from nobody to like his amazing first maybe 
I mean, I'm just a prodigy. It's going to sound like I'm a crazy fanboy or whatever, but I listen to all of his podcasts and I've learned a lot about him based on that. Uh, I know he came to LA for acting and originally like that was like a thing. He, you know, did the actors headshots and all that stuff. Like comedy wasn't his first, his first pick. So what is that thing? Hit an hour long stand up 2010. That's thrilled. No, at the top of all film. He was a co-writer on a film. Yeah. Scroll up real quick. Let's see. That's crazy. Tom, if you're watching and I know you are, let us know when you did your first open mic, okay? Yeah, that's, uh, that's I'd like to know more of his his backstory. But anyways, what I was saying is like I think to be the greats, what separates like is being like very diverse in your approach cuz if you're going to perform and entertain people for an hour, not only do you have to be fucking amazing and hilarious. Scroll back up right there, okay? 2007 live at Gotham. So obviously he didn't start in 2009. That was filmed in 2006. So he was doing it probably six, seven years. That, oh, so yeah. how can you say it's 2009 when he was on TV doing stand up in 2007? No, that was just some weird, yeah. Stupid. Oh, he anyway. was active 2007 to present. So if we go by that, that makes a little more sense. But no, because he did Gotham in 2006. So yeah, nah, whatever. Who knows? But, anyways, what I like about Tom and a lot of the other comedians that are at his status is if you're going to be doing a headlining spot, which is generally an hour, you've got to be able to entertain people for that long. You can't just get up there and do patterns and repetitive stuff in the yeah. same joke. It's you just can't be very... tell like, uh, a story and then a story and then a story and then a story. And the thing and with him a... is, too, is like you don't know what you're watching. You don't know if it's like, here's a story bit, yeah. here's a one-liner. Here's a... You can't break it down. He's That's why I like him so much. He's so conversational. That's the it's, best. It sounds like... He just walked out there, grabbed a fucking mic, and just started crushing. It sounds like the same shit that he would be talking to us about in a parking lot, you know, outside of a diner. Like, we exactly. just all went and got some food, and he's like, dude, have you seen the Steven Seagal? Like, it's I, it's so I, real. Judging by, like, when he turns and grabs for water and his brain stuff, he's got this down to the syllable, probably. Oh, I'm sure. Like, he's got this very well rehearsed, but it just feels so conversational organic, in the moment, yeah. organic. And the thing that's great is, like, I don't know. He's doing it all. He's doing stories. He's doing act outs. He's doing impressions. He's doing one line. He's doing it all, but it's woven together in such a complete package. You don't know what you're getting. You're just getting a fucking really hilarious hour, and that is what I think separates the greats Woof. from holy shit, Tom. <laughs> oh, pull up a picture of Tom when he was really young, because I think he was moderately at... Oh, that sounds so... Oh, no. Such a- no, I'd absolutely have <laughs> fucked him. I think Tom was kind of hot when it was younger. Let's see if we can find one. Of no, yeah. Pictures. Wait till you see this chiseled jawline. No. Oh, yeah. That yeah, one right there. I've, I've jacked off. I mean, I've, I've looked at that one before. <laughs> Look at that, dude. No, to the whenever he's in that fucking football thing right there. There we go. Yeah. Look That's... at those lips. He's got a set of DSLs on him. Oh, shit. How the mighty have fallen. Dude, like, he, he like, has made some serious fluctuations in his appearance. Maybe that helped him get funny. He's like, I'm not funny as a regular looking guy. He's like, I gotta Let me get... get right there. That that sepia toned one right there. Yeah. Look at that, dude. Look at that one on the right. Those are fuck me eyes. He's like, I need to look like I sell speakers at an airport. So <laughs> <laughs> I gotta gain some weight. Oh my god. That's such a vast difference. That is the store manager of a circuit city that's about 100%, to go under business. Yep. Oh my god. Look at that guy. Jeez, man. Alrighty. Well, anyway, we love you, Tom. You're the greatest. You are the goat. I love you so much. Next week, we are going to get into um, 
Next, I don't know what we're breaking down next week, but we're going to be talking about our uh, the some of our material. Some our of material. Our... We're going to be talking about the competition we were just in. Yep. Uh, we really enjoy doing these breakdowns. Let us know what you guys think. If you agree with it, if you disagree with it, who would you like to see us break down? Yep. I guess that's it. Yeah, nice long awkward pause. That's how I like it. Most people end on a high note. I want to end nope. on radio. Bring silence. that. Bring that mood down. All right, guys, we appreciate it. Uh, This is Opening the Mic. It's a weekly podcast. Join us next week. Leave a comment down below. Like this video if you liked it. Subscribe if you aren't already. And other than that, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. See you guys.